I would like to start today by reading you something from uh, it's my actual favorite little passage in the Dhamma, Dhammapada where the Buddha said wakefulness is the way to life the fool sleeps as if he were already dead but the master is awake and lives forever one watches one is clear how happy one is for one sees that wakefulness is life how happy one is following the path of the awakened with great perseverance one meditates seeking freedom and happiness I, I think that's sort of appropriate for these days um, if you think about what's happening in the world um, is there anyone that doesn't feel a little bit stressed <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, with pol politics right? uh, what's happening with the planet it seems to be building and it seems to me that, that we need to change things. Um, it seems that more people need to become awake. More people need to wake up. And the reason for that is that, that being awake to awareness itself is being awake to the field that gives rise to all the possibilities we can experience. As things manifest, they become very specific and limited. But in the field itself, there are infinite possibilities. And it's, it's considered to be, at least by field physicists, a state of total orderliness. And if you think of what chaos is, it's the result of being localized, being defined by boundaries that are very small. So the more that we go inside and awaken, enliven the field, the more that orderliness will begin to manifest everywhere. Because the field is just one thing for everybody and everything. So. When we go in, we are actually contributing to that orderliness. Um, I was listening to uh, Quirks and Quarks yesterday, and there were two scientists who were participating in an international research project in France where they're creating fishing. Um, as a, as a fusion, rather, as opposed to fission. Fusion is where you bring two hydrogen atoms together and create helium. And it releases a huge amount of energy. And potentially, if they can do it, it could, well, they're saying it could create two billion years' worth of energy for everybody on the planet. That's pretty good. 
Um, it would certainly uh, eliminate the use of fossil fuels and all that stuff. But, but the idea is that, that it's happening. And, and one of the scientists was saying that he was very depressed about humanity because they're struggling to get funding for this project, a project that could potentially save us all, save the planet. And he said that it's easier for a film company to raise money for a bad movie than it is for them to do research that could actually take care of us forever. That, that whole idea of going inside allows us to experience possibilities. Right? The, the world is limited according to our perceptions of it. And we become limited by our perceptions. Right? Um, whatever the attention goes to, we become structured with that. If we have, we have our emotions, and our emotions are, are tools that tell us about the world and how we are in the world and how the world is with us. But we say, if we're happy, I am happy, or I am angry, or I am sad, or whatever. But we're actually saying that's what I am. And we're limiting ourselves to that in that moment. But if you think about it, you know, one minute you can be really happy. Someone said, you're the greatest person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> and then another person says, God, you're just a waste of space. Waste of space. So the idea is that, that as long as we're defined, defining ourselves by what we're experiencing, at least on the surface, we're becoming very limited. So if you go down to the lake and there's been no breeze at all, and the lake is perfectly flat like a mirror, and you can see clouds reflected and all that in the sunrise, it's gorgeous. Right? And, and you see photographs or, or film of, of just huge, violent tsunamis. Right? It's the same thing. It's water, H2O, manifesting differently according to different situations. And it, I mean, it, it can manifest as ice, or clouds, and rain, or invisible water vapor. But it's still all H2O. It's, that's, that's the common ground for everything water, and everything water can be. Our, our DNA, well, I think I said this before, that um, in, in MIT, they're actually figuring out how to use DNA for computer memory instead of silicon. And, and you can, I, I think they said you can store 20 million times as much information in DNA in the same space as you can in silicon. So if you have a little 
thumb drive that's this big and it's 32 gigabytes of memory stored in that. And, and you get 20 million times as much in the same space. What would our computers do? And if our DNA is a memory storage, and that everything that's, that's sentient seems to have the DNA within it, that means that, that the different things that are triggered in DNA manifest all the possibilities <coughs> of the varied life forms that we have, and all of the things that, that we can experience. So then, then we're going back to that, that fundamental level, closer to it. And I, I, last time I talked, I, I showed you a picture of Alice, uh, my favorite little raccoon. And, and then I showed you the code that allowed that picture to be on the computer screen. And just you know, pages of code for that one little picture. But that's what's happening in us all the time. We're, we're interpreting code that is in our nervous system. Right? If, if you look at the Buddha behind me, right? that image on your retina, and, and you can see it in the retina if, if you are able to look inside, it's upside down because the lens is flipped. But then it's, it's translated into nerve impulses and it's combined with all kinds of other nerve patterns in the brain. And then it's translated into the image that you see. And that's the computer program that's turned it into a picture from code. So we're, we're all limited because we're focused on the details. We're focused on what we're experiencing, where our attention goes. If you, if you sit here and, and just look at the Buddha and nothing else, you'll have one kind of experience, depending on how you feel about the Buddha. If you look at the nice person sitting next to you the whole time, it's a whole different experience. Maybe the same, but chances will be a different kind of experience. We, we, we judge things. We judge ourselves. We judge what we do. We judge what other people do in the way, the way we interact. This judging is going on constantly. And it keeps us limited to the surface of life. It keeps us holding on to the details. And we cherish our limitations. Um, I, I, I told one of my clients that, that at the beginning of every morning meditation, I image Donald Trump and send love. And I did that with George Bush too, because I didn't <laughs> like Mr. Bush. And I like Mr. Trump even less. So I decided that I needed to do that with him <laughs> as well. And she said, I could never love that man. And, okay, that's fine. But I wasn't doing it for him. Right? I mean, hopefully he'll be benefited somehow. <laughs> but I'm doing it so I'm not restricted by the judgments that 
I spontaneously accumulate in my mind by listening to the news and hearing other people's points of view. I mean, I don't know Trump, and I don't know anybody that actually does know him, so he's, he's not really <coughs> real in my life. Right? It's an image that's in my mind that's restricting my ability to be open. Okay. Um, there is a, a quote by Lama Paulson. He said, we suffer because we do not understand the openness of our true nature. This is the ignorance that the Buddha taught is the source of all suffering. <coughs> if we take the time to shift to a place where we can actually rest in openness and loving-kindness, our suffering diminishes. Why do you come here? Why do you meditate? We want to get in touch with that true nature. Everybody wants love, loving-kindness. But we're the source of that. You know, if you, if you love somebody or something, where does the love come from? We have the illusion that it comes from outside of us. Right? Because we were little kids and our parents loved us, hopefully. Right? But we don't, if we love somebody, we don't rush home and say, Mom, I need some love to give to We, we don't do that. Because it comes from within. It's in the source of what we are in our Buddha nature. So we're always changing our minds. We're always going from one thing to another. I mean, there, there, there's different states of consciousness, waking, sleeping, dreaming. There's the state of pure awareness. And so you, you, presumably you slept last night, you had some dreams, you're now awake, I'm hoping. And, and that just changes. We go in and out. Sometimes the boundaries are quite fuzzy. Um, people driving their cars can get quite fuzzy sometimes and go off the road. Um, does anybody remember the Smothers Brothers? <laughs> Some people know. <laughs> So there's, there's a date involved in that, but <laughs> there's, there's Tommy and Dick. And Tommy was a little sleepy at the wheel. And when Dick was having an argument with him and, and making clear, rational points, Tommy got really frustrated, frustrated and, and confused. And, and he'd, he'd always come back to the, his, his line, well, Mother Mama always liked you best. <laughs> Which was his, his reason for why, why he was way, the way he was. And, and once Dick said, so, so can you prove that? And he said, well, you remember that Christmas when you got a puppy and I got a chicken? We're, we're always comparing. Fairness is, is really something that a lot of kids are involved in. Right? They want everything to be fair. And, and it's very abstract. And they say, well, why can't I have a cell phone? All my friends have it. That's not fair. Right? Or why can't I stay out late? Because all my friends do. It's not fair. 
And a lot of parents want to give their kids everything that everybody else has, including other siblings, because that's, that would be fair. But it doesn't really help much. It really doesn't, it, all it does is reinforces entitlement. I need the world to be the way I want it to be. And it doesn't matter if anybody else suffers, as long as I get what I want. So, we grow with this thing of, of looking at the world in terms of values. We grow with looking at the world in terms of what I need for me. We would rather <coughs> think of our money going to making a movie that we can go and watch and, and be distracted for an hour and a half than creating something that would really change the world. Because, because this limitation, this limitedness of, of being identified with what we think and what we experience and what we can do and judging it all keeps us in those limitations. If we, on the other hand, are open, like Lama Paulden said, then we start to have balance and equanimity. And there's another... Equanimity takes interest in whatever is occurring simply because it's occurring. Equanimity does not include aversive states of indifference, boredom, coldness, or hesitation. It is an expression of calm, radiant balance that takes whatever comes in its stride. And that's from Shaila Catherine, a Buddhist teacher in California. But that, that seems to be almost a technique for waking up. Staying open, staying balanced, and experiencing everything that happens because it's happening right now. The Buddha said that we are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts we make the world. So with that, the idea is that, that we need to understand what that process is. The way we think, the way we think thoughts, that's a tool. Our emotions are tools. Our ability to be in a body and move around. Right? It's tools. But we identify with these things and we say, that's what I am. And we limit ourselves so that we're not open. So that we're not experiencing the possibilities of what we can be. And in looking at other people and other things, like raccoons, we can, we can see more of ourselves because we're that source that manifests in them as well as in ourselves. So, 
I would suggest that, like the waves, don't influence, don't limit the ocean. I'd suggest that you go inside and really discover what that source is within you that's our Buddha nature. And help the world become more balanced and stable, more life-supporting.